The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host and contributor to TheBirdRights.com, Preston Ellis, and today we are previewing the Wizards matchup on Wednesday night at the Smoothie King Center, a game the Pelicans quite simply desperately need to win. Following last night's performance against the Boston Celtics, the Pelicans players evaded the media following their fourth consecutive loss and second loss at home this season. It was 22 turnovers, 32 points off those said turnovers, uh, only 32 points in the paint. The Pelicans are number one in the NBA. It's their bread and butter, as Ollie said last night, 58.1 points in the paint, only 21 assists to those 22 turnovers. The Pelicans seeming ambivalence on the defensive end, specifically as it pertains to defending the three-point line, where the Celtics, who are now 11 and 10, shot 19 of 39, including four consecutive three-pointers in the fourth quarter, six of 11 in the quarter. Uh, the point is, you can see why fans are angry. The problem is bigger than a roster shakeup. It's 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 a combination of mental and physical fatigue, or that's what it appears. Anthony Davis has made that clear, indicating he has to be almost perfect on a nightly basis. Drew Holiday made that very plain yesterday in an interview. He said, it's always been me. I don't really know how to save myself. I go as hard as I can. Sometimes I guess that can be a downfall or whatever you want to say, but I also feel like I do my best to do the proper things off the court to recover. But yeah, there may be sometimes where toward the end of games where that first 36 minutes, like I'm good and I'm going hard. And the last four, it's kind of like, damn, I'm tired now. And you could kind of see that last night. Anthony Davis got the Pelicans within six, and that was pretty much all she wrote as the Celtics raced out to another 11-point lead. The point is, the Pelicans need to win. They've got a matchup with the Wizards, who are going to offer them no reprieve. They just defeated James Harden and his 54 points in overtime. They beat the Pelicans on Saturday without Anthony Davis. Of course, they will probably have him back in the lineup with that sore hip. I'm going to get to a couple of questions before we turn over to Michael Sykes of Bullets Forever. Shout out to him. Thank you so much to him for joining our program and talking a little bit of Wizards. You can follow him at Mike D. Sykes and at Bullets Forever. This question is from Tom Hickson. Is there a root cause to the Pelicans' inconsistencies this season so far? I mean, we've seen who the Pelicans are with Alfred Payton the first four games of the season when they had energy, when they had motivation. It seems right now they're falling apart due to fatigue, due to not executing, due to not doing what the co- Obviously, Alvin Gentry must have been frustrated with the team last night in order for them to leave the, the locker room without addressing the media. You know, they're not playing their brand of basketball, and you could see that on the stat line, 32 points in the paint. These guys just simply aren't playing their basketball. Uh, You can attribute it to whatever you want. Obviously, we at the 
Bird rights think that the Pelicans need another facilitator. They need to get the ball into Nikola Meritage's hands where he likes to get it. Need to get it to Anthony Davis down in the post. Need to take some of that ownership of the offense away from Drew Holiday, who had eight turnovers last night, five of which I think came in the first quarter. So that's our, our you know, wrench to solve the problem. But I know some of the other guys think that we need to swing and make a big trade. Um, and who's to say what the what the right answer is at this point? You can really point to anything because the Pelicans have quite simply over the past week been that bad. Uh, you could point to coaching. Why aren't these guys ready to play? Why do they keep getting down in the first quarter? Why doesn't it look like these guys have a gun to their head in the Western Conference that, of course, there there are losses to the Utah Jazz and the Houston Rockets that do give you a, a semblance of hope. But with that being said, this is the Pelicans' opportunity to get out of, in front of everybody else, and they're seemingly not taking it. So you can point to whatever you want. Is trading for Otto Porter going to save the Pelicans' season? Probably not at this point. They still need depth. Their bench was still 4 of 16 on the night. The Pelicans quite simply aren't getting anything from them at this point outside of Julius Randle. So it's it's not just one player. It's an overall attitude that this, this team needs to take. But with that being said, will shoring up the starting lineup help? Probably. Uh, Wesley Johnson, I think, had seven points last night. Uh, he gives you what what you can, but he's not a starting level player in the NBA right now. He's probably a ninth or a tenth guy at best. He does give the Pelicans the size that they need. He obviously has that quick trigger that alerts defenses as to what he's capable of doing. We've seen him go into double digits, but they do need to upgrade that position. Each one more wasn't his usual self last night. Nobody was their usual self right uh, last night. So you can make an argument for both. Hot Pelican Takes says, will the Pelicans defense continue to be this bad until they make a move? And this is another point of contention for me because we've seen how good the Pelicans defense can be in the fourth quarter. And that's why you think it just comes down to attitude and mental effort. These guys just need to play 48 minutes. And you can see Drew Holiday in his quote. He says, yeah, give it all to me. I'll do my best. But it's 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 too tall a task for a team that's only played 21 games, has 61 games left to go, and we can see it's just not working. So you can argue, again, that the Pelicans need to make a move, but also you can argue that these guys just need to be dialed in from the opening tip. And we, we have to question now the pace, the pace that the Pelicans are playing. Can the Pelicans sustain this over the life of a season? Because right now, it doesn't look like they can over the first four games. Of course, they were lights out, but now they're starting to slow down. They're starting to come back to earth. And we'll, we'll have to see how the Pelicans continue running without forfeiting the first three quarters in order to do so. MC Tuman says, how soon till Ian Clark is Solomon Hilled? How soon till... Um, Kenrich Williams gets regular season minutes. Now, of course, we've all uh, probably seen right now his plus 72 uh, box minus score in the G League. Of course, it's impressive. He had something like 14 points, 14 rebounds, 14 assists, whatever it was. Uh, and obviously, the Pelicans could use help at the position. So why not throw him out there? But again, these guys are rookies. He and Frank Jackson, they're going to make mistakes. And can the Pelicans afford for them to make mistakes right now? You're hoping at this point in the season, the Pelicans are a bit closer to, you know, 13 and 8 at this point where you can throw out those guys let them learn on the fly so hopefully they can become rotation players as the season goes on but as it stands right now you really don't have that leeway the pelicans need to win games and they need to win them now with that being said is it going to hurt putting ken rich out there instead of solomon hill probably not solomon hill was actually one of the more uh, successful players on the floor for the pelicans last night he was the only player in the positive in the box uh, in the positive plus minus Alvin Gentry before the game said he might be tinkering with the rotations and he sure did throwing Solomon Hill out there in the first quarter so Solomon Hill's he's going to start getting opportunities now it looks that way it looks like Alvin Gentry wants somebody out there who's just going to run the court and play with effort and play with aggressiveness and Solomon Hill is going to do his best to do that at that point you know that guy's not somebody who mails it in he just 
isn't the defender he was two years ago, whether that be due to his hamstring, where the league has just passed him by in two years. Uh, offensively, he doesn't give you much of anything, but he did have a couple of nice assists lights last night, a couple of touch passes that resulted in three-point shots for Nikola Meritich. So it remains to be seen what he's capable of giving you. But back to Ian Clark, uh, MC Tuman. Uh, follow him at MC Tuman. Thank you for all the questions, by the way. Uh, yeah, you'd like to see him out of the lineup. He got a turnover in his first, I think, 30 seconds of action last night uh, from the from the field. He's just simply been horrid this season, something like 30% and 20%. So he's not giving you shooting, which is what the Pelicans ultimately expect from him. He was brought in to be a sort of six-man candidate, and he's not giving you that. So And he's creating uh, committing turnovers. He's not really setting up his teammates. But again, what else are you going to do with the position? Tim Frazier, same story. He's a walking net minus, uh, came into the game, turnover, right off the bat, can't really play defense at his size. Guys are just going to shoot over him. So you're you're in a tough spot there. Frank Jackson obviously is giving you what he can, but you can see just how nervous he is. You can see his early struggles. Uh, he Is he capable of taking the next step and possibly being that point guard in time? Yes, but not right now. And the Pelicans are going to continue to to give him some run, to let him develop, to let him build, but he's just not ready for it quite yet. Solomon, uh, thank you for your question. How important is it the Pelicans go and find a leader to lead this team? And I think this is this is what it boils down to. Obviously, the Pelicans don't have the horses right now, whether you want to argue they should package Etuan Moore and Solomon Hill and bring in Otto Porter, or if you simply just want to shore up the depth with somebody like Kelly Oubre and Thomas Sadoransky. Until somebody is in the ears of Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, Nikola Meritich, all these guys, just indicating to them, you guys have to play hard from the opening tip or you're not going to be able to beat teams in the NBA. That includes the Boston Celtics who have been struggling up until this point, and that includes the Washington Wizards. If you guys can't buy in from the opening tip to what Darren Ehrman's telling you, to what Alvin Gentry's telling you, you are going to lose games. You are not going to make the playoffs. We remember DeMarcus Cousins for all of his faults uh, in Anthony Davis' ear last year saying, if you're not going to get out there, give me your Achilles. Of course, Rajon Rondo, uh, I'm sure a lot of you don't want to hear his name, but something that that guy did do is he put guys in position to succeed. Obviously, that's a role that Alfred Payton can play, at least on the floor. But it doesn't really, it seems like there's a vacuum where the leadership should be at this point. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday uh, indicated that they were going to assume that role. And you'd have to believe they're calling a players-only meeting right now. You'd have to believe that these guys are going to fix this problem because, again, we've seen what they can do when they are dialed in, and it all starts up top with Anthony Davis. He admitted it last week following a game in which the Pelicans, again, came from uh, behind to beat the New York Knicks late. I can't remember the the score offhand. I want to say it was something like 129 to 125. But these guys have indicated they know the root of the problem. It's effort. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Uh, of course, we're going to address some trade possibilities with Mike D. Sykes as we bring him on. Uh, Otto Porter seems to be the most uh, likely candidate uh, just because he's been losing minutes to Jeff Green and Austin Rivers, among others. Bradley Beal's likely going to uh, fetch a larger prize than Dell Demps is probably going to be willing to part with. So let's go ahead and bring him on now. Again, thank you all for listening. I know it's a dark time in Pelicans Nation. I appreciate you guys spending your time with me. Remember, we're available Spotify, iHeartRadio. Google Play, pretty much everywhere you get your podcast. If there's a platform that you'd like to see us on, please let me know. Maybe I can take care of it. Again, you can follow me at Preston Ellis. Go over to thebirdrights.com. Trevor Ritchie has the recap up for you. Uh, Kevin Berrios, I think, has some, some trade propositions on the table that you might want to check out. So make sure you go ahead and do that. And we'll be back with you guys soon. Thank you so much. Let's go, Pels. Here's Mike. All right, now we welcome onto the podcast Michael Sykes, the second of Bullets Forever. What's going on, Mike? Hey, Preston, thanks for having me, man. 
Of course, man. It's a blast. Uh, glad I got a hold of you via Jake Whitaker, the editor-in-chief and our friend over there. We've had him a couple of times on the past, so we were thrilled to get you. Uh, you guys can follow him at Mike D. Sykes. Uh, you can also find all of his content at bulletsforever.com. Tell us a little bit about what you do for the site. Yeah, so I, I'm, I go to games. I'm, I'm the on-ground uh, beat reporter, uh, I guess, if we're, if we're calling it that. I don't know. It's, it's kind of – I try to look for the story that isn't necessarily being told, but, like, it's not super serious either. Um, so it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty fun role, and we like to get out pretty fun content, even when our, our season is uh, in a sample, like it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like a pretty carefree guy, uh, and that's for the best, because news continues to come out of Washington. Uh, this via Chris Sheridan, Real Deal Beal 23 has made it known in no uncertain terms that he wants out of Washington pronto. This was quickly refuted, uh, refuted by uh, Candace Buckner of the Washington Post. Uh, his agent, Mark Bar- Bartlestein, Um, I don't have the quote in front of me, but basically just indicating that no such discussions had been had. The only two people who would be privy to that information were both Mark and Bradley Beal, and neither of them have come to that conclusion. And Bradley is still dedicated to winning and doing it in Washington. With that being said, Mike, uh, just about, uh, I think it was on November 19th, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that as the Washington Wizards season spirals, the franchise has started to deliver teams an impression that every player on their roster, including all-star guards, John Wall and Bradley Beal are available for discussion in trade scenarios. That was via uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. So, you know, it's factual. Uh, Mike, what is your response <laughs> to all of this? Uh, it's seemingly the New Orleans Pelicans fans are are very um, they, they know how to relate to this constant trade speculation. How does that affect the way you cover the Wizards, uh, especially with how well they've been doing it over the past two weeks? Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's it's kind of this season has kind of been a uh, revolving door sort of sorts um, in in terms of just the drama that just comes in and out of the locker room um, from this team and and I guess the the trade demand or lack of trade demand um, from Bradley Beal is is uh, just the next next evolution of that the next part of that but I mean it, it's just it's been such a weird vibe in the locker room. Um, just generally because, um, first of all, the, the initial Woj report, and I believe um, Sham Strania of, uh, of The Athletic also reported this, um, and, and Candace did too, for that matter, about the, the practice where uh, Bradley Beal um, uh, apparently just exploded uh, at, at his teammates and, and was complaining about the front office saying that it starts up top and, and all of that. And, um, you know, I... This season is just, it's just been uh, a complete mess. And I'm not sure how they, how they rebound from this, honestly. Um, and as, as they continue to play, as, as things continue to just, they, they, they won some games over the last couple of weeks, but it's not necessarily a better situation. Um, they're still, their defense is still awful. The, the team's chemistry is still, as we can see, uh, not quite where it needs to be. Um, and so it, the, the the logical conclusion that most people would come to is, is that it's time to, to blow it up. But from, from everything that has been uh, reported from, um, you know, local, local DC reporters and um, even some national folks, it, the, the team isn't necessarily going to do that anytime soon. So it's kind of frustrating to just see this team um, just kind of wallowing around uh, without any uh, any real direction, I guess. 
Yeah, the Pelicans and the Wizards are in similar uh, standpoints in that regard. Uh, the Pelicans may have a few more wins, but the the trade speculation just seemingly never stops. The Wizards now at 7-12. and 12. Like I mentioned, they've actually won five of their previous eight. They're trailing the Rockets right now by double digits, but as you just mentioned off-air, the Rockets are, I think, 7-7 uh, seven of seven from three-point range as it now stands. And you'd have to, you'd have to think that's not going to hold for the entirety of the contest. So hopefully the Wizards can bounce back. With that being said... You know what, before we get to that, I know uh, Pelicans fans are going to kill me if I don't ask you this. Um, obviously, the Pelicans have been linked to the Wizards, uh, John Wall and Otto Porter Jr. by both Zach Lowe and Kevin O'Connor of ESPN and The Ringer, uh, respectively. Is there anything on the Pelicans roster that the trade would have to constitute some form of either uh, Salmon Hill plus Nikola Meritich, or you could insert Julius Randle or Etwan Moore into that? Uh, probably some trade filler for Porter. That might be enough to get it done with Bradley Beal and likely some picks. Do you see the Pelicans as a potential target for any of your players? And what do you think it would take to unload them? Yeah, I think the Pelicans would be a really I, – I believe actually all three um, of John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter would be a really good fit um, in New Orleans, uh, no matter which which one they, they were to get. I, I think they all could fit um, potentially well. I think uh, between Beal and Porter, those are probably the best two guys that the Pelicans should probably think about targeting. I would say um, John Wall, but obviously his, his contract is massive. And then you have a guy already in Drew Holiday who's a really good point guard and a really, really great defender um, at this point. So that's not necessarily a position of need, I guess, in, in terms of um, star power maybe, but like Drew Holiday's fine, I think. Um, as, as far as what gets it done, I think um, the Wizards would probably want one of um, Nikola Miritich or Julius Randle. Um, and, and then, like you say, once we once we talk about uh, salaries, I, I think that's when Miritich becomes kind of the, the clear guy that will have to be um, included in that trade as well as Solomon Hill. I'm not sure that the Pelicans would need to give up anything in terms of um, at least not a um, uh, a highly unprotected pick or something like that. Like, I, I think if the, the Pelicans were to give up, like, maybe like a, a second round or a future first or something, you know, just a a solid pick i think the wizards would be would be willing to part with um with with Bradley Beal maybe not so much um Otto Porter that that would make sense for the for the pelicans um but i i think you can get Otto for less than you can get Brad at this point um but but yeah i i think the pelicans are are, are just a really good landing spot for for all three guys at this point now, we'll talk about Otto Porter in a second, because obviously he had his uh, best performance of the season uh, with 16 of those points coming in the first quarter. Didn't miss a shot in that time. Three of four from three point range on the game. But would you say Otto Porter right now could be had for pretty much just cap relief going forward? You mentioned Nikola Meritich and Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill has one more year at 12 million. Nikola Meritich isn't expiring, so the Wizards can do what they will with him and would get about 16 million in cap relief next year. And then all of Otto Porter's uh contract off for I want to say the 2020-21 season do you think that's enough so I want to say no because I think Otto Porter is way better than that honestly but with with the way that he's he's played this season and the way that the team has used him I there there have been so many fourth quarters this season where Otto Porter is just not he's just not on the floor behind like guys like Austin Rivers and Jeff Green in, in crunch time so it's clear that like the um some someone on the coaching staff or or the front office, like somebody, someone doesn't believe in Otto Porter at this point. 
right? And so I, I think the Wizards don't really have a ton of leverage when you when you think about um, his play combined with the fact that he's sitting in some fourth quarters combined with the fact that Scott Brooks called him out earlier this season personally. Um, it, it, there's just not a lot of leverage there for the Wizards to work with. So I, I think that is a possibility at this point. I wouldn't be surprised by it, but I think that the Wizards would be uh, mistaken if they just traded on the border away solely for, for capital, especially when no one's really trying to come to Washington to play ball. Yeah especially based on his performance. Like I said, 16 of his season high, 29, uh, 12 of 15 with seven rebounds, four assists. And according to his Instagram account, he was playing with a heavy heart. Uh, RIP uncle main, uh, was what was listed under his Instagram photo, uh, uh, of, a um, image from the game. Poirier took advantage of both, uh, the smaller Etuan Moore who stands at six foot four, as well as Wesley Johnson, who's pretty comparable in height. And as I mentioned, drilled three of his, uh, four, three point attempts. Talk a little bit about his performance. You said he's been struggling on the season. Uh, what, what gave him such an advantage on Saturday night? So the way that the Wizards play typically is not like the ball doesn't typically move heavily, right? Like the ball is nine times out of 10 going through uh, John Wall or, or, or Bradley Beal. And, and, like, those those are the guys that generate the shots for themselves and for other other players. But, like, when the Wizards are playing and they're sharing the ball and everyone's kind of focused on making that next pass, whether the guy makes the shot or not, that's when um, Otto Porter's game kind of flourishes. Um, he, he gets these – he's a really sneaky player, man. Like, he, he knows how to sneak into the corners kind of untouched and, and find open looks while the ball is moving around. He knows when to cut, where to cut, and he just finds his way into spaces where he's not supposed to be. And then he can he can attack mismatches offensively, like you said, when, when Etuan Moore was guarding him, he had a bit of size on him. And then he has – a bit of mobility where he can play against slower forwards, right? And and he also has the length um, that's needed to to be a, a solid defensive player, I think. And and so when when you when you put all that together, like he has these really really good games where he'll drop like like the one that he had against the Pelicans, right? Where he has 29 and scores 16 in the first, and also will give you like seven rebounds, four assists, and and just do literally everything you could want out of a. a out of a small forward in today's NBA, right? And then he'll have these games where he's just completely silent and you don't really see him. He he maybe misses his first three shots and then doesn't get another one until the middle of the third quarter and then won't play in the fourth quarter. And and so that that's where part of it, part of it I think is Otto Otto's not that aggressive of a player typically. Um, another part of it is that there's a lot of creativity that's lacking in um, the Wizards' offense currently, and and so I, I think when when they play in a way that is more modern and, and egalitarian, where people are just moving the ball and and the ball finds the right guy and the guy takes the shot, I think that's where Otto flourishes, and I think that that's where the the Pelicans he would be a really good fit. Yeah, so it sounds like you're saying he's being underutilized, the right player in the wrong situation. Uh, I guess you can make that argument for a couple of the guys uh, on the Wizards roster. Uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter each made uh, converted seven field goals on Saturday night. The Wizards have not lost a game when the three of them have combined to do that. So when those three guys go off, the Wizards typically do well. Uh, they're trailing the Rockets by 12 right now at the conclusion of the first. Let's quickly recap the game. On Saturday, uh, 91 to 90 advantage at the end of the third quarter with Julius Randle's uh, buzzer beating uh, runner uh, at, at that point. 
with 722 remaining in the fourth quarter, the Pelicans just went ice cold from the floor, uh, just converting three of their 10 field goals, four turnovers. The Wizards, on the other hand, seven of 13 and 70 points in the paint. Of course, Anthony Davis was not present. You'd have to think the Wizards won't get to the paint quite that freely should he be able to go in New Orleans on Wednesday. But with that being said, what did you see from your Wizards? Do you think the Pelicans just kind of let their foot off the pedal, got fatigued, or do you think the Wizards really clamped down on the Pelicans offense with seven minutes to play? Yeah, I think it was kind of a mixture of both. Like the the, the Wizards have these stretches where they play phenomenal defense, right? And no one can get a shot up. Everybody's just on a string and, and guys are moving left to right and everybody's lengthy. So Passes aren't easy to make, and and then you 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 end up isolating on a guy who's playing really hard and trying to defend you really well. But then they have these stretches where they're just listless and they look like they shouldn't be on an NBA floor, right? And I I think part of part of what happened with the Pelicans on Saturday was that they they one stopped hitting, they just couldn't really hit anything from outside, right? And and once that started to happen, I think the Wizards kind of keyed in on Julius Randle, who had a really good game um, and just sent a bit of extra help to him. And the Pelicans offense just kind of shut down. I, I was kind of, I don't know. I, I thought Nikola Miritic could have gotten a lot more shots down the stretch. They He could have been used a lot more. It seemed like things were going, um, the Pelicans tried to do a little bit too much in the pick and roll to me um, with uh, Julius Randle. And it was working really well early, but once I, I think Miritic caught that hot hand I, I really felt like if, if they had gone through him um more than they probably would have won the game um but I don't know it, it it was it was kind of just a combination of things and, and it just didn't really swing the Pelicans way I, for for most of that game no one really defended anything so whoever made that that one push defensively was going to win that game and it just happened to be the Wizards at the end if, if Anthony Davis plays I think the, the result's a lot different all right, and with that, we'll transition to the game on a Wednesday night. The Pelicans are eight and one on the road. The Wizards are two and are sorry. The Pelicans are eight and one at home. Excuse me, they are not doing that well on the road. I think they sit somewhere around two and nine. The Wizards are actually two and seven on the road, and they come to New Orleans and likely will play against Anthony Davis, who is giving it a go against Boston. Uh, so. We, we anticipate that he will play, but that remains to be seen. With that being said, do you think the Wizards' fortunes turn out differently in this upcoming matchup? Yeah, I think that the Pelicans are just a really strong home team, right? They they've got a lot of really good role players who who just when when they're at home it's just different, right? And I think that's not you know like that's not unique to to the Pelicans. It's just a, a thing that has that that has been true throughout NBA history, right? Like role players play better at home, and the the guys who really make the difference are are the the superstars. And then like you said, you get an Anthony Davis back. Um, who is obviously a superstar, maybe the best player in the league, depending on who you ask. Um, he's going to change the game. And I think uh, the Wizards don't really have a great answer to him. But Dwight Howard's out with a boot injury, and that's that might be their best hope in, in terms of keeping the paint control with Anthony Davis. I, they're, they're starting Thomas Bryant right now, and he couldn't guard Julius Randle on Saturday, so I don't think he'll have much better luck with Anthony Davis, but I mean, Dwight Howard probably wouldn't either if we're, if we're being um, completely honest. So I think Anthony Davis is just that much of a game changer that I, I, they'll, they'll probably beat the Wizards on, on, on Wednesday. I'm, I'm fairly confident in that.
All right, Mike, we're we're losing you. You're going in and out a little bit, and I think that's actually my Wi-Fi, not yours. So apologies for that. You guys can follow him at Mike D. Sykes. Of course, you can follow him at BulletsForever.com or at BulletsForever on Twitter. He is their in-game coverage guy over at Bullets Forever. Shout-outs to them. Make sure you follow him in advance of Wednesday's matchups. I'm sure he'll be live tweeting during the game. Uh, Mike, anything else you want us to check out in advance of Wednesday's game, and where can people find some of your upcoming work? Yeah, so just find me at bulletsforever.com. We will um, I pretty obviously have a, uh, a sweet recap after after tonight's game. I'll have a column going up um, tomorrow on Tuesday. I think tomorrow's Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow's Tuesday. Um, so I'll have a column up um, then uh, after tonight's game. So just be on the lookout for me. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Mike. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. 